Oh my god. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 4K podcast. We got a special guest here with us today. She goes by the name Shay. We know her as Siobhan. She she is a a writer, a creator, a multi-dimensional healing artist, and she just explores what it means to be human. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Siobhan. Oh my gosh, thank you. What a warm welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you. We're happy for having you. Wow. So what we we're doing here now for the 4K podcast, we're trying to bring we'll bring some guests on here and there just to have a story time segment or a special category or topic that we'll bring up and discuss with uh someone else that's very near and dear to us. Um as far as story time, um, Siobhan, we, we you had a story you wanted to to bring up, and I guess we'll segue into whatever happens after that. All right, just jump right in. Yeah, just jump <laughs> right in. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I did have a story. It's a it's an eerie one, um, but it it's one that is close to my heart. It's one that I find myself revisiting often. And it's one I love sharing because, I don't know, I think it just says so much. Um, and it's about my mom who who transitioned when I was 18. And literally a couple of days after that happened, her smart ass found a way to hack, <laughs> like hack our um, answer machine and change the voicemail greeting somehow, some way. Uh, I, know, I know y'all remember this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she left a message that said, goodbye, goodbye, I love you. Um, and I remember hearing it and being like, no way. Like, I did not hear what I just heard. And I remember, like, having people call the phone, like, call the house and be like, listen to this message and, like, you tell me what you hear. I'm not going to tell you what to, to hear. I'm not going to influence you in any way. And, like, everyone heard the same thing. Um, and I think about that story a lot because it says so much about like what we think of life, what we think of death, what we think of like the beyond and how we communicate with those who have transitioned, those we have lost, those who just simply don't have a physical body, but clearly live on. And I think before that point, I thought, you know, I don't know. I I always believed in like the spiritual and all that kind of stuff, but you know, there's a part, there's a part of it when you watch people like, um, you know, Miss Cleo, is that her name? Was that psychic? Call me now. Is her name Miss Cleo? Like stuff like that. You know, those psychics online and all this kind of stuff that people be scamming. There's a there's a fantastical element of that where it's like, that's not real. You know what I'm saying? And I even just think of like what we think of as death, God, source, the beyond, whatever you want to call it. It's so great. It's like beyond words. And so, yeah, that was just a story and a moment in my life where I was like, oh, like, this is real. <laughs> like, this is real. This is expansive. There is something that happens um, after this temporary stay on this planet. Um, and that bio that Cliff so beautifully read is how I summarize myself. I always get a little nervous when people ask me who I am because I'm like, there's there's no words for it. <laughs> like, I'm all of it. But yeah, I come back to that story because it's such a like anchoring point. And I always say that my mom's death like initiated me into life. Like she continues to teach me every single day what life is and isn't. And yeah, 
that's that's my opening story you know just just coming in hot <laughs> um so yeah thank y'all for the space to share it yeah no doubt that was perfect that was perfect and i remember that moment vividly uh listening to that voicemail and hearing those words and i'm just sitting there like wow damn i really heard that yeah it was crazy it was crazy it was crazy and it was like there was no denying it you know it wasn't like oh maybe that's no, what it said no. or like you know it was kind of staticky it was a clear message and i think that speaks to like the amount of love she had for us that her spirit found a way to be like i'm gonna get can i curse on here by the way absolutely okay <laughs> she found a way to be like i'm gonna find a fucking way to tell my family that i love them and you know i know i left abruptly i know it was a quick departure but i'm gonna i'm gonna find a way to like communicate and yeah i just i think that just speaks to like the intelligence of like the people we love you know yeah. and that the journey doesn't doesn't <clears throat> stop with the physical and so i'm glad you remember that moment because also, when I when I think about grief and loss and all that kind of stuff too, I think about the people that are still holding the people that we've lost, you know, still holding those stories and like right. the different angles. Like I probably remember something different than Ricky, than Cliff. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, it's really beautiful. That glue that like keeps it all together. So I'm glad you remember that. Speaking uh, of to... something, uh I like that post you did the other a few weeks ago. Oh, which one? How how you talked about how she uh when she worked at uh, American Express, but she had uh, stole stole the computers for the hood. <laughs> Reparations, okay. You want to think yeah, about my mom? I'm, like... I'm dying when I <laughs> Reparations, yeah. Shout out to my mom. Like she, man. I know people. When we lose people, we say like that person had an assignment and it was done. And that was my mom. She lived life. She came in here. She was like, I'm about to fuck shit up. Like, I'm about to laugh. I'm about to party my way through this shit. And I'm a peace out <laughs> because I did what I had to do. And she she went out with a bang and like she was bold. She was wild. She was embarrassing. And it's like all these elements I only appreciate now as an adult. Of course, as a teenager, I'm like, oh, you're so embarrassing. But like now I'm like, yo, that was a bomb ass woman. That was a bomb ass spirit. That was a bomb ass soul. And right. I feel lucky that I had her for 18 years. You know, it, yeah. it, it feels short sometimes, but I'm like, I, I had her, you know? So yeah, shout out to my mom stealing laptops from, from white men and, and redistributing it to the hood reparations, you know, American government could never, I mean, legend, legend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, to, to bring a little more recollection into the story, I remember, um, someone was calling the house phone your house phone and i guess the the reason they wanted to uh the reason you heard it i guess was because they wanted you to change it or delete her name or her voice because they they were uncomfortable hearing it still and that's when you went into it and and heard it and i, I remember upon playing it only certain people seemed to hear clearly what she was saying other people didn't hear anything at all. And we were like, oh, maybe the message just wasn't for you. It definitely was not for those people who yeah. did not hear it. And I, I remember, um, uh, I think it was grandma's idea. She wanted to take it to to Maury or something like that. And once John we Edwards or something. It, yeah. I remember once we tried to save it, it just disappeared. 
Yep. He was like, you're not going <laughs> to yep. kill me off. Yep. So my mom. What a troll, right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to do this brilliant thing. Y'all going to hear it. And guess what? That's it. That's all y'all get. <laughs> we were like, oh, the world got to hear this. And she was like, no, they don't. <laughs> yep. I remember that moment clearly. Yeah. And it's like, I, in, at that moment, I was like, Fuck, like I really wanted to keep it. First of all, we could have been rich. Like, who would have, you know, that could have been some money. But like, I also think like moments like that, experiences like that are meant to be short lived. You know, it's meant to be this thing where it's like, we heard it. We know what we heard. We don't need John Edwards, <laughs> like, to it, be like, it, it right. Purpose. It, it served its purpose. It served its purpose. And it did what it had to do. And I think there's beauty to that. There's beauty to, yeah, remembering that things don't last forever. And people don't last forever, you know. It's sad too, but I think there's a beauty to and it. They grow on and, mm-hmm. and the yeah. imprint that they leave on you in your life. It, it's crazy because as long as it was, there's still so many little things that pop up, and I just, I just remember or I think about her, or it's just the wildest, weirdest little thing sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah. Um, also, for those that don't know, because we are cousins, so I don't like I don't know. We we like getting right into the camaraderie. But my mom is I say is, I use the present tense, is an aunt to Ricky and Cliff. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, what are some of y'all like favorite memories or like as nephews? Like, how did you see my mom? Let me let me tell you, let me tell you something. Okay, I'm listening. Let me lean in. I am still chasing that short, very short cake high. <laughs> That strawberry shortcake high, I've been chasing that high for a long time. <laughs> and none of them are comparable. Thank you for saying that, Ricky. No, I really appreciate you saying that because if anyone knew my mom, like on the outside, you would never think that she knew how to bake. Like right. that was not, if I, if I showed you a picture, like it was not in her demeanor seemingly, but she did, and strawberry shortcake and peach cobbler were her specialties, and I'm so glad you remember that. Again, like I, we need people to hold on to the stories yeah. <laughs> and to the memories. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember her being so upfront and in your face, and no apologies about anything. And it was just something I really appreciated about her. <clears throat> I remember uh, wanting to like go to your house so often and spend weekends or whatever there. Just, just to get away, and it felt like a little mini vacation, I guess, from from my life sometimes. And mm-hmm. she never did anything special. She never really like. I can't even explain it, but it was just like so nice just being in that environment with her. Yeah, she always, she always made sure we all came over there at least once a year and stayed. Yeah. So, yeah, that was dope. Yeah. Oh. I remember her drinking. Um, Arbor was it? Oh, yep, yeah, Arbor yeah. fucking mess, man. <laughs> I remember. I would have bought stock in that company. <laughs> Ciao, money. <laughs> but I remember like that that being my first taste of uh, liquor or whatever as a kid. <laughs> Just asking for it. She's like, hey, try this. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> Why not? As an auntie should, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because like I remember the first time I was, um, she was drinking and I was like, Oh, what is that? And she didn't even tell me what it was. She said, hey, just try it. And I was just like, okay, sure. And I tasted it. And I was like, oh, it's okay. It wasn't it wasn't bad. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, Arbor Mist. Everybody. Yeah, and those fifty cent Cobra beers. Remember those? Oh, that my pops used to love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And don't forget the straw either. <laughs> Wait. Forget his straw for his king. Don't Cobra, forget man. that don't straw. Forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those beers. Wow. <laughs> so with her, um, her passing, how? how was it dealing with the trauma in the very beginning and, mm-hmm. and do you attribute your transition the, the most into just being who you are after the trauma yeah i love this question um i'll be honest with you they say there's five stages to grief which to me is total bullshit. there there are way more stages and there's no logical order but i will say that first stage denial yeah they got that one right <laughs> They got that one right. I think because I was so young, I was in such a state of shock. And adult me looks back and I'm like, yo, I don't know how I got through that. Like, I had no idea. Like, the fact that I went to school the next day, like, what? Who does that? Yeah. I I sure did. I was like, well, (laughs) like, I'm just, yeah, I got to go to school. But like, looking back, I think I was just in a state of like, denial and shock and probably looking for something that I knew as safety, which was school. I'm just like pretend to be normal, you know? And to be honest, like I didn't really process my grief until I would say at least five years later um, because my mom died when I was 18, like two weeks before my high school graduation, right? A month after that, I got my first job. And then a month after that, I was off to college. I was like, I got to get these grades. (laughs) I got to get this financial aid. I got to like pay for these classes. I got to go to grad school, like grief. I I don't have time for that. (laughs) Like, I don't have time for that. And so I just ignored it. I suppressed it. Um, And, you know, I, I don't know, on one end, I would say, well, that's unhealthy. But on the other end, it's like grief doesn't have any logical order. It like whatever way you cope, whatever way it comes through, even if it's denial, even if it's suppression, that was part of my journey. You know, and I think once I graduated school and I came back home, let me tell you that 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 shit that I was ignoring in the back of my head was like, (laughs) finally. All right. Like (laughs) you got some space now. Here we go. Like it, it, it that's when it started to like become a part of my life. And I was like, all right, I'm ready. Like I have I have the space now. Um. And even like before my mom transitioned, I had, I had I had been in therapy, you know, so that was something that that helped a lot. But I mean, even even early on, there was a lot of moments when like I wasn't honest with my therapist because I wasn't ready to talk about it. I was young. And I think I was also looking around at, you know, my other peers. I didn't I didn't know anyone my age who had lost a parent. I didn't know anyone who had been through that. Um, also think that there is a lot of like um, stigma in the black family in terms of how to grieve, uh, no shade to religious folks, but they tend to say things like, well, they went home with the Lord. Right. And like, it was their time to go. And I'm like, that's all you got for me. Like, (laughs) you know, like on, on one end, like, I'm glad that that's comforting for, for some folks, but on the other end, it could be like an avoidance tactic. Right. And so I didn't give myself permission to grieve until years later. Um, but once I opened that like can of worms, like, man, that was it. It's become like 
a part of my core. Like, I even joke about like me being like goth, right? Like I grew up goth, like, <laughs> you know, but like, I don't know, like maybe that was part of the design of my spirit. Like I always use my mom's death and refer to it as an initiation because I wouldn't be who I am now had that not happened. As sad as it is, like, I would not have the knowledge, the wisdom, like, the emotional range, like, all that stuff. I wouldn't have that without her death, you know? And so, to me, this is a big part of my life's purpose. It's a big part of my life's work in whatever form that is, whether it's sharing a poem or just sitting down for a chat like this. Like, I'm meant to feel. I'm meant to, like, cry. I'm meant to, and this is something yeah, no, I struggle with growing up, like always being the sensitive one, like always crying, but like, that's a beautiful thing. Like I'm human. That's why Cliff said I'm exploring what it means to be human. And unfortunately, and maybe fortunately, a big part of being human is that we're, we're all going to die. Like we all are going to have that experience. We're all going to know someone that transitions. And I think it's a beautiful thing when we can talk about it, when we can feel, and we can like push up against like societal norms of like cutting your feelings off and like not addressing the thing in, in the room you know I'm like I'm not down for any of that <laughs> like I that's not normal to me you know that's real robotic and so yeah I always say that her loss like I don't know just awakened something in me and I'm forever changed and I'm grateful yeah one thing um well, to give context to those who don't know, um, my mom passed recently and Leroy's pa uh, father passed a couple of years ago and they were all, our parents were all siblings. And mm -hmm. um, to, to bring this question to you, Leroy, uh, upon, when was the, the, the moment you realized that it's real? Going back to grandma house. Every time I go to grandma house, I feel it. Hmm. Just him being there for so long, and then he go back over there, and he's not there. So every time I walk in that crib, I be like, "All right, yeah." That's when um, I felt it. Mm -hmm. I think I called. I'm not too sure. Yeah, you did call call. I called one of you when my moment hit when um oh okay backtrack to one thing when Siobhan said uh denial I remember going up to the the funeral or her service I still didn't believe it was her because I, I still didn't see her yet and <clears throat> when they pulled the casket out of the, of the truck and we had to carry it into the church they didn't have enough people to help carry it so they asked if i would be able to help so i was like sure and people were looking at me funny like are you sure you can do it i'm like yeah, yeah sure. i was one of those people yeah <laughs> like yeah if y'all don't come get this casket for this man <laughs> right and i remember when the 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 director was going to lift the the lid of the casket she was like are you are you okay are you ready i'm like yeah and the back of my mind i kept thinking you're gonna lift this lid I'm going to look and I'm saying, that's not my mom. Where is she? You know, like I was like, the guy, she might be hiding somewhere or, you know, so it was just yeah. so many weird thoughts that went through my head. But when she lifted it up, mm -hmm. I was just so confused because I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel, 
I didn't feel hurt. I didn't feel relieved. I didn't feel anything. I just was staring at her. And I remember um, there were flowers like in her hair. So I was like trying to readjust her hair. And I was like, no, she would, she would never do her hair like that. So I'm sitting there moving her hair out and I'm trying to like readjust her body because it shifted. And the director's just looking at me like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> like, and I was just like, no, no, I just, I just wanted to look good, you know, for everybody. Mm-hmm. But the, the real moment when it actually hit me was when um, her ashes came back from the crematory. And it came in the mail, which feels so impersonal. Right. And I'm, I remember holding the box and I took, I took well, her box out of the cardboard box and I was just standing there and I was hugging it. And I'm like, wow, like this, the box is five pounds or whatever it is. And I'm just like, everything you were is reduced to this little box of ashes. And I remember walking into grandma's room and just staring at her. And she was like, what's wrong? And I just started nodding. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. This, this is that moment. It's hitting me. And she was like, are you okay? And I just I hit the floor and I just started crying. And she was like, just, just let it out. And I'm like, I can't believe everything this turn into this like mm-hmm. it was just right. so weird to me um thank you for sharing that thank you. i don't think i knew about that moment i know there's been times when you called me but yeah i don't think i knew about that moment and yeah she was real and i think i i think you asked me after your mom passed like you asked me when was my moment, like maybe almost in preparation or like wanting to know, like, yeah, what to expect. I, I yeah. Didn't yet. And I was like, it bothered me that people were waiting for me to break down, waiting for me to cry, waiting for me to like mm-hmm. lose my mind. And I'm like, I'm okay. And it was like, no one wanted to accept that. Oh no, you, you lost your mother suddenly. Like, are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, I'm handling it. Like mm-hmm. if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Also, to uh, reiterate on mine, the receiving of the flag. Oh my God! Yeah, that's that was deep I, to uh, me, bruh, Rick, Ricky. I. I think everybody broke down in that moment. I was good up until then. Yeah. Yeah, the Marines came in and did what they had to do. That little slow, that little slow <laughs> thing they did. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, and it was super cool for the first 90% of it. Yeah, <laughs> so they right. folded the flag and so they stood in front of Ricky. Yep, that snap. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's deep. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of your father's service, Ricky, like, did you feel any kind of way of, of their not? being a body at the service, like in the traditional way that we usually have funerals? No, I mean, no, not at all. No. I think it was better off that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I didn't feel no type of way about that. Yeah, I feel you. And you remember how you found out? Yeah, you called me. Oh, shoot. Dang. You called me. I was at the crib chilling, and you called me, like, hysterical but not being overly hysterical so that you could tell me the information and get it out yeah but yeah that's how i found out you called me and told me 
Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I'm actually remembering it too. I remember uh, going to the house. Siobhan, were you there before me? I sure was. Yeah. And that was just so weird. Because I, I remember um, <clears throat> uh, Marvin, his best friend, was the mm-hmm. one that called me. was like, I, I think there's something wrong. You need to get up here. And I got up there. And it was, I don't remember who was there before me. But I believe Siobhan, you was there. Um, mm-hmm. Grandma was there. Maybe two of Mark people. was there, too, I think. Yeah. I think. I don't know. And yeah, that, that was just so weird because it is weird because, of course, you never really expect it. Right. It's like, wow, I can't, I can't believe it. Then we, when we saw like the photos and everything else, and it was just like, how, how do we deal? How do we process? How do we figure out yeah. life? And, and I remember shortly after um, feeling guilty because. You both lost yours, and I still had mine. Mm. And I was just like, I felt like if I were to share an experience I had with my mother after that, like it would be like kind of brag, not bragging, but like mm-hmm. it would be yeah, touching the sore spot. So I was just like, and that's what made me really reassess my relationship with my mother and try to uh, get closer with her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And that, that's just the craziest thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's that's so real. That's something I, yeah, just like see a lot. Like these, what I call, what a lot of people call like grief wars, you know, like whether that's in, internal or like the comparisons that we like put on ourselves, the survivor's guilt, the re-experiencing it like I think Cliff I think Cliff was the one that called me and told me about Ricky too and it was like I remember I had a moment of like not again yeah not again and it was it wasn't even my parent but it was like it was so close that I was like what and I don't remember I, was it you that called me about your mom Cliff mm-hmm. and I, I was like what like not again so yeah, there's this like re-experiencing, and I don't know if you felt this, Ricky, too, like with with Sharon, but it was like, the fuck, like, yeah. and I remember like with Ricky's death specifically, there was like, I don't know, like there were little things that I did, for example, like designing like the the funeral programs, like I was so serious about it because there were certain things I didn't get to do for my mom, and so like. I'm st- and I'm still proud of this program. It was really beautiful. Really well, I was like, no, I'm going to design the shit out of this program. Like, there was just certain things where I was like, you know, on one end, it was like, damn, not again. I got to go through this again. But I was like, all right, it's coming back around. Like, this feeling is coming back around. And like, you know, what can I change this time? What can I see differently? How can I help out? I'm a little older now. You know, I'm not that 18-year-old girl, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I don't know. There was just something about it, about I don't know, tragedy coming back around, you know? And it's like, this fucking sucks, but also, like, what can I see differently, you know? What can I feel differently? And to to compound on one thing you said, too, um, even though he was Leroy's or Ricky's father, um, in a sense, he he was the closest thing you and I both had, Shimon, to a father. I was was getting ready to say that as well. 
and that's, that's what made it so difficult for me as well because it was like of course I, I i lived with him too he he cooked he made his jokes and right. it was just so many little things i was just like wow like it, that was so tough to process and then as we said before there's this the the stigma of um mm-hmm. being a man and having to be strong and 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 tough it out through the pain it's like why why does it have to why do i have to be weak if i'm showing emotion Mm -hmm. i can let this be human Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i'm i'm glad mental health and and vulnerability and um sensitivity is kind of being more of a thing that's being brought into the forefront and uh, being more normalized now. So um, now the people who had the stigma of, oh, black people can't go to therapy or men can't go to therapy or um, you're less than because you need help. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like that anymore. And that's that's like one of the greatest things that our society is actually moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so it is on us to figure out, even though it, it, it is going in that direction to jump on board with it. Cause I, I still I still walk a tight rope on both sides. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna be sen- sensitive to things sometimes, but I'm still I still gotta be a strong man in public or something like that. And that's Yeah, um, no, absolutely. That yeah. is uh that's a great way to put it because you know, I'm older than you and I came along before you could even show that type of emotion and all that kind of shit, you know? So it's definitely good to see that people can open up and men can open up and not be looked at a different way for opening up and expressing their feelings and being vulnerable. So, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree too. And yeah, the way you just put that clip was really beautiful and poignant. And I think more people need to hear it. Like more men need to hear it. More black men specifically need to hear it. And then more people need to hear it. I think women need to hear it too, you know? So there's not that like pressure to put on like the men in your life, like that they have to be this like macho dude all the time. Like that is not strength like going around beating your chest like pretending like you don't feel that's easy what's strong about that honestly like that's easy you know like talking about it like crying letting it out like being human like take guts that shit is hard i don't know why anyone would consider that weak you know how hard it is to like feel your feelings (laughs) you know like that shit is hard that's incredible strength and so harder to tell someone else and that part that part and yeah and to moat in front of people and like yeah let people see your weak spots like showing vulnerability and and being in front of someone and being like i'm gonna show you this and i i'm gonna trust that you're not gonna use it against me like mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like that's crazy that's crazy strength so i'm glad y'all brought that up and like i'm very proud to see y'all like yeah just embrace that and move in that direction because we don't see it often yeah, yeah. That's evolving true. in that aspect is it's tough, but it's it's needed. Mm-hmm. Definitely needed. It is. 
Yeah. Especially as um, fathers, right? Who like have the next generation, like, cause I mean, that's how these cycles get continued. Like, no, cause no one in the, in the bloodline in the family stops it and be like, all right, this shit stops at me. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be the one and like create something new um, and, and teach those that come after me to do something different. So, absolutely yeah and and as far as the, the generational things go showing like you said showing the emotion showing uh besides um the sadness showing the happiness mm. we, we we learn to be even kill all the time mm-hmm. to not not get too high not get too low mm. so um that's that's like our family. I'm not too sure how many other families were. I could can fit this mold, but like we didn't show much emotion towards each other. So we never really hugged. We never really kissed. We never really, you know, really in, engaged with each other in that way. So that in turn, that despairs us against relationships. That despairs us against showing that love to our kids. Like mm-hmm. I had to learn how to. Um, show my child i appreciate her or i love her and i'm still learning how um being sensitive in those moments how to get out of the awkwardness of it i've learned how to force hug my my daughters and kiss them and tell them how much i you know love them and how happy i am and and it's still awkward to me sometimes but it's like you have to you have to jump over that hurdle to realize this isn't awkward. This is real. Mm-hmm. This is what it should be. And if you don't teach them this now, they'll never learn it. Or they'll learn it in a different way that will be, you know, subjective to whatever it can be in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Or even having those awkward conversations. Like, that's very, I'd be like, I don't want to start this conversation. <laughs> I gotta have a whole prep talk with myself before I have a conversation sometimes. <laughs> so, I mean, you it, you you learn and it, it it comes, but look how long it's taken us to figure it out. Right. Yeah, it's a process. It's a process, and it is awkward. And I think the body you know, the body has memory, the body remembers trauma, you know, the body remembers certain safety and defense mechanisms. And so even when we do something that is healthy, the body's like, like, what are you doing? Like this deviates from like what I know, like, what are you doing? And it could be like you said, like hugging, having a conversation, something that we want to do. And the body's like, nah, don't do that. That's not safe. <laughs> you know, like, wait, we gonna get hurt. Don't do that. Just, just give it a handshake, you know, like, and our mind can like, yeah, get the best of us. But yeah, I think doing it on the level of the body, like, is really powerful. And yeah, like the examples we set, you know, I mean, one of the reasons I was so excited to like, come on here and chat with y'all and to even grow closer to y'all is to also like heal the relationship I have with like, what I think of masculinity as right my relationship or what I think of as of men and like who they are, you know, because I feel like the first per- the first people we learn from are our families, right? Our, our caretakers, our siblings, our cousins, our children, you know? And so, I don't know, I think it's just really powerful to do that, like, right in your tribe, right? Right in your family, right in your community. And, like, mm-hmm. what does that teach us about 
how we relate to other people outside of that, right? The people that we attract, the people we fall in love with, the people we marry, all that kind of stuff. Like it all starts at home. Very true. Yeah. Wow. And even um, branch off into, I guess, relationship-wise too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a problem with feeling uh, affection or emotion being hugged or kissed and for the longest time I would reject all of that and it really damaged a lot of my relationships so like the the people that I would date that weren't so affectionate I I would be more into it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and and now that I'm with someone who the opposite of that it's like in the beginning it was just like okay um I would get hugged and I would tense up or I would get like a weird chill or shiver like oh this is weird, but mm-hmm. then I'm like, don't, you know, but don't stop. Like I have to, I'm, I'm going to get used to it. It's, it's going to work, you know, bear, bear with me. And and that's when it's, it's good to, to have someone who can um, be patient with you and learn with you and try to take whatever steps it, it takes to break through whatever barriers that your your family, your brain, uh, mm-hmm. the generational things set in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's deep. I never know that. Yeah, that's very I'm, deep. Cause... I'm learning a lot. I'm like, goddamn, yeah. like y'all deep as fuck. Like these my cousins, y'all. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ricky, were you ever an emotional person? Like, as far as like affectionate? Um, I think it came as I got older. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, no. <laughs> no. Stone faced. Yeah. <laughs> and but, and you you learned, I guess, being younger too, that sensitivity is a form of weakness. Correct. So that oh, if I'm the nice, sweet, good guy, I'm gonna finish last. A nice guys so, always finish last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, and then you would notice the the bad guys or the. <clears throat> the ones who are disrespectful winning the girls mm-hmm. again like whoa like is this who i have to become in order to to you know to get to get out there to date to be noticed right and it, it's, it's a shame that was something that's big in society like that and then, and then that that creates more of a vicious circle because you're trying to become someone who you're really not and you're trying to pretty much dog someone out and women become hurt by it and in turn hurt people hurt people so now they want to become like the people who hurt them Mm -hmm. right and now women are becoming heartless women are becoming emotionless so now they're like oh you know i'm just i'm just gonna call you for when i need you and you're like i'm gonna call you when i need you Mm -hmm. so then it's like you you get you get faced with the oh you can't be too thirsty now and that that all stems from just wearing that mask of I'm, I'm gonna be who society makes me think I should be. Yep. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I often think about like just the ancestral history that Black people have. You know what they went through during the times where they were enslaved. Like they had to be tough like they had to like suppress their feelings like their whole survival was on the line you know like especially black men like some of the stories you read about like what was going on and what like 
the masters on the plantation was doing, you know, like pick, mm-hmm. picking out the, the toughest man and like breaking him down in front of his family, you know, and then like the role of the woman and the mother, like wanting to like coggle the son, protect the son. It's like so much like just dynamics going on there that happen that I believe we still carry in our DNA today that we still have to like heal and like learn from like, you know, civil rights movement and all that kind of stuff. That wasn't that long ago. (laughs) That was not that long ago. And so I feel like black folks, we're making like great progress, but we have, we have so much work to do. And I think a lot of it happens on the level of like emotion, the heart. And a lot of it has to do like with the family and like, yeah, black women and men healing together, black women healing together, and then black men healing together, right? There's certain like things as a black man, only another black man can help you heal, right? Can help expose and, and can help talk about. And the same thing for black women. Um, yeah. So yeah. Shout out to black folks healing. Cause it ain't no easy thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, we, we do need it. We do need it. And our healing is, is, is very layered. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's a lot going on. So anyone that like even begins to open that up, like is incredible incredible because it's tough work our brothers and sisters or kings and queens definitely need to come together and uplift each other and and have each other's back like that and that that's 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 an amazing thing when it all becomes such a a cohesive thing Mm -hmm. that that's something that's definitely needed yeah there's a big level, I think, of like mistrust um, between Black people, you know, in the Black family, between Black men and women. And it shouldn't be like that, you know? I walk down the street sometimes. I'm not going to lie. There's a group of Black men. I'm like, ah, I'm scared. Like, and I'm not going to lie. Like, and that's terrible. That's yeah. terrible that I feel that way, you know? Like, I should feel protected. I should be like, oh, yeah, it's my people, you know? But like, there's so much mistrust that that black folks have towards each other and understandably so. Um, but yeah, that quote about like hurt peating, hurt people hurting people. I'm like, well, healed people gotta heal people, right? If hurt people hurt people, healed people must heal people. You know, the other side of that hurt equation. People have to want to be healed. That mm. part. It it doesn't work if you don't want to be healed. That part. That part. <sighs> I'm triggered, Ricky. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. As someone ha- who has tried to force healing on people in a way, like, or has gotten disappointed as a highly sensitive person that like someone's not opening up in the way that I thought they should, like, it's triggering. <laughs> they gotta want to be healed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have to know that that healing is is something they can do themselves too, right? Like we can't do anyone's work for them either. That's true. Yeah, healing does start with from within, so it's it's a long journey, but <laughs> yeah, we definitely need it in the black community. We do. Well, Shay, yes. thank you, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on this edition of our 4k podcast we might to call this like a little interlude side story whatever you want to call these episodes the here healing episode healing i like episode. that I thanks like for it. having me 
Definitely, definitely. You know you could come back at any time. Yeah, oh, say less. We're definitely gonna have to have another one. This now is, we're gonna infiltrate the podcast. Need to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> no, but thanks for having me. I enjoy. You got an open invitation, so. Bet. All right. Well, thank you very, thank you very much once again, ladies and gentlemen. This is thank the Four K Podcast, and we're signing out. Thank y'all for watching. Thanks for listening. See you next time.